You are listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. This story was recorded at a True Story party in February of 2012 at an undisclosed location in the San Francisco Bay Area. The theme for the night was First Times. So you always hear these stories about people going to foreign countries and having their organs stolen. (laughs) How do you get your organs stolen? Like... It's not like your organs are in your pocket. People can't just, like, sneak it out of your pocket when you're not looking in a crowded marketplace. Like, how dumb do you have to be to get your organs stolen in a foreign country? Well, it turns out there's an answer to that. And the answer is you have to be just a little bit dumber than I am. (laughs) Um, This is the story of my first ultrasound. And like like every ultrasound, this story begins with love. <laughs> so I had just fallen in love with my American boyfriend, uh, largely probably because his aunt was actually dosing me with an aphrodisiac. <laughs> and so then I actually I went to Peru to climb mountains alone without this boyfriend. He was back in California. And I realized that aphrodisiacs are not really a great basis for love because when you're not really with the person, and then even if you are, if you're not taking the aphrodisiac anymore, all of that like love thing just kind of goes out the window. So my boyfriend actually came to visit me in Peru. And the moment I saw him, I realized that I was no longer in love. <laughs> uh, so I didn't really know what to do with this boyfriend. So we, I took him rock climbing to this place that was... <laughs> Makes sense in my world. Uh, I took him to this place that was about three and a half hours drive on a dirt road out of town, uh, out of town of the small town called Huaraz in Peru. So we were in this beautiful climbing area called Hatun Machai. It's at about 13,000 feet of altitude, uh, really secluded. You don't have any cell phone reception there. I, and that night, actually, the first night there, we, we slept in a tent together, but we hadn't even kissed since he'd gotten there. He thought I was just getting accustomed to him again. And I woke up in the middle of the night uh, feeling terrible. I had to go pee really badly. I went outside, and I realized I was peeing blood. And um, I had this like sharp pain in my insides, really different from any kind of sharp pain I've ever had in my insides before. Uh, it, was, it was really, really bad. Uh, so I, we went inside of this sort of refuge that they had there, and I got the refuge keeper, and I woke him up, and I told him what was going on. And because there was no cell phone reception, what he had to do, what he was able to do actually, was to go climb up uh, about half an hour up this hill, half an hour if you run, uh, where he could get cell phone reception and call a car to come get me because I was peeing blood and feeling the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life, so probably something bad was going on. And then as we're waiting for the car to come and get me and take me to the doctor, my boyfriend and I are sitting in front of a fire and I say, you know, I think this is probably a good time to talk about our relationship. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm peeing blood and feeling pain so strong that I'm feeling like I might faint. So he's probably going to feel some sympathy and at least not get too angry. 
Uh, so I say, you know, like, you know, let's talk about our relationship. I don't think we should date anymore. And he, there's nothing really he can say about it because I'm feeling so much pain. Uh, and then the, the car comes and gets me and the, I drive into town with the taxi driver. We leave the boyfriend behind because he has to clean up the tent. Uh, <laughs> and we get into town in the morning. It's about eight in the morning and I go to the doctor. And he pokes me around a bit to see where I'm feeling pain. I'm kind of feeling pain everywhere. So he sends me off to this other doctor to go get an ultrasound to look inside me and see what's going on. So the other doctor, the ultrasound doctor, I, I get to his office, which is on the bad side of town. To get there, you have to go between all these unmarked, dusty buildings. And I go in there, and I'm in the reception room, kind of waiting for my turn to get an ultrasound. And the reception lady is talking to this other woman in there who is, um, I guess, a more of an indigenous woman who's obviously come down from the highlands, from the rural highlands. And she's doing her best to frighten, to terrify this indigenous lady who's wearing her big traditional skirt and her big hat. And she tells her, the, the woman's daughter is in the room with the doctor and she says, did you know your daughter was pregnant? I bet you didn't know. Well, she's done something bad and now you have to go to the emergency room. You're going to have to get her to get operated. Did you know she was pregnant? And I was thinking, like, what kind of a place am I in? You know? Uh, and so then it comes to be my turn. Uh, the daughter comes out crying. The the lady's crying. Uh, and I go into the doctor. And uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten an ultrasound before, but they put this goop on your stomach and they kind of have this magic wand that they kind of wave around there. And there's a screen. You can see what's going on inside of you. I was like, oh, good. There's no babies. That's a relief. <laughs> uh, and then he's kind of showing me my stomach, my bladder, and then the appendix. And then he says, oops, there's the appendicitis. And I'm kind of like, I don't really see the appendicitis. <laughs> you know, I don't really know what an appendicitis looks like. I thought it was just an, a bigger appendix or something. Uh, and he's like, oh, yep, yep, there's the appendicitis. Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, as soon as he, heard, he says that word, I, of course, you know, get kind of terrified because, you know, I'm here to climb mountains. And I'm thinking like, geez, I don't want to get surgery right now. Like, I don't want to have a scar. You know, this is going to ruin my plan to climb mountains. Like, when I... How long is the recovery period? Like, I, I don't really, I just don't want to be here getting surgery. You know, I, I don't really know what's going on. And, you know, I, I, and I express this to him and I, I tell him, you know, I don't want appendicitis. <laughs> and, you know, and then he reassures me that that's not something you have an option about. And, nope, there's the appendicitis. And, you know, he says, I hate to tell you this. You know, I really don't like having to cut open beautiful young ladies like yourself, but we're going to have to go into surgery. And I'm thinking, okay, like, wait, what's going on? You know, I asked him, like, okay, when's the surgery? What do I do? How's this work? What, what's going on? He says, oh, you know, don't worry. We have an opening right away. We can go ahead and get you prepared to go into surgery right away. Don't worry about it. We can save your life yet. And I think, like, where's my choice in the matter? And something just doesn't compute here. I'm thinking, like, Geez, like he's, he's rushing me around, like we're gonna go into surgery here. And I think, wait, something inside me tells me this isn't right. Something deep inside me tells me that it would be a mistake to go into surgery with this man. And I wonder, what is that inside me that is talking to me so strongly? And I think it's the fact that I actually don't have any pain in my appendix. 
<laughs> and so I decided to take a walk and postpone the surgery. And I let him know, you know, should I feel any pain? Should I feel like I'm dying? I'll come right back to you. And he tries to stop me and tells me I'm making the greatest mistake of my life and that I'll probably come back dying. Uh, but I reassure him that I have his phone number and I'll get back to him right away. And I walk through the town and I'm, you know, really confused. All of my friends have actually just gone away to the mountains. I have nobody. I feel more alone than I have ever felt before. My ex-boyfriend is where I left him. <laughs> um, I don't... I'm just not really sure what to do because here I am thinking either I have appendicitis and I'm not getting surgery so I could die or I go into surgery in this foreign country with this really strange doctor. You know, I don't know if my health insurance will cover this. I'll have to get a scar. Who knows how this will affect my climbing plans? Yeah. And, and what's worse, I don't know, like the hygienic standards of this place. I don't know what to do. Luckily, I find a restaurant called the California Cafe. <laughs> the outside is painted bright yellow. It looks just like country sun here on California Avenue. They serve yogurt with honey and granola. <laughs> they wash their salad greens before they serve them to you, and they put goat cheese and candied almonds in your salads. And I go there and I become friends with the lady who's running this place who is this amazing, beautiful Peruvian woman and I tell her my predicament and she says, oh yeah, uh, it's, you know, pretty common actually that foreigners here lose uh, a couple of organs. Um, so you should probably trust your gut instinct that your kidney, your appendix is telling you and not go into surgery. And this was the moment when I felt strong and I said, yes, when there is something inside of you that tells you you don't have appendicitis, you should listen to that instinct, especially if that instinct comes straight from the appendix itself. Thank you. You've been listening to True Story. Our theme music is from Daniel Steinbach's album, The Blade. To comment on this podcast or to listen to any of our previous stories, you can find us in iTunes or at truestorytime.org. Everyone, I hardly know you But when something comes and grabs a hold Take the hands that open up A life that's led is something I've been alone